0: Good morning again. This is Carmen Laberge. I do. Uh, I love uh, each one of you that has been texting me at 877-933-2484 All of the ways in which you are accommodating chicks and chickens uh, in in the weather, and I particularly like the uh, the screenshot just sent by by Evan. It's it's negative. Twenty-eight or negative twenty-six? I can't. I can't tell. I probably need reading glasses. Um, wherever Evan is, it's negative twenty-eight or negative twenty-six. And and Evan says um, my my chicks are under two fifty-watt lights. Yes, but how does that keep the water unfrozen? I suspect that Evan has one of these devices that Jeff and others have suggested uh, that I get, and that is uh, an aquarium stick-like heater. Like right, it apparently keeps the water unfrozen. We have a heater for our bird bath that works great. Um, another, uh, an, another one of you, in. you guys are so good. Thank you so much. Um, and to those of you who had other thoughts on the guinea pigs, <clears throat> yeah, some of you are a little bit morbid out there this morning. What are you watching these days? What do you have your eye on? I got my eye on you. Um, what, are you what are you watching these days? Who have you got your eye on? God has his eye on us like not in a negative way or in a in a creepy Santa Claus way, but in a wonderfully positive, my eye is on the sparrow and I'm always watching you kind of way. So Matthew chapter 10 is where Jesus actually talks about this. Um, and he's talking here about his followers um, resisting the temptation to grow anxious, right? Don't, don't, don 't be anxious for anything um, or about anything, and he goes on to tell them don't you know don't have any fear of those who would um, seek to persecute you for my names sake. Um, uh, you know nothing is covered up that, that won 't be revealed. everything uh, hidden is going to be made known. so what I tell you in the dark, uh, say in the light, what you hear whispered proclaim to the housetops don't fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather fear the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. I want you to consider that your very breath is in God's hands today. The hairs on your head? the ones on the brush, the ones on the floor, the ones on the pillow, none of them have escaped God's accounting. The teaching of Jesus in Matthew 10 comes in the context of a conversation about worry and anxiety. And so what are you worried about or anxious about today? This is the first Friday of a new year, but I, um, I'm betting there's some of us who already feel defeated, like the sadness and the grief or the loneliness, the, the sense of defeat may already feel too great to even muster the energy to get up and get out there and deal with life. So I just wanted to bring a word of hope today. There's hope for you. There's a lone sparrow on the rooftop who feels cold and alone. In the Bible, the very king of Israel, King David, felt like that. He said, I lie awake like the lone sparrow on the rooftop. I feel the weight of the world. I feel like I'm all alone. And that's the one to whom Jesus says, fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. God's eye is on the sparrow. He's watching you. We're going to talk next about what we're watching with Adam Holtz. Adam Holtz joins us from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Many of the reviews that we're going to be talking about today you can find at PluggedIn.com. Adam, Happy New Year.
2: Happy New Year to you too, Carmen. Great to talk to you.
0: It's so great to talk with you. All right, so what or who is or are the 355? (laughs)
2: The 355 is a group of five female spies, one from, let's see if I can get all the countries right, from America, Great Britain, oh, it just falls apart after that, China. Mm. uh, Anyway, you get the point. We have an international team of female spies who are working together to stop a nefarious group. It's always a nefarious, or nefarious, depending on where you're from, probably nefarious. A group of uh, 'er ne'er-do-wells who have stolen a hard drive which somehow controls every computer on Earth. And, I mean, right there, my suspension of disbelief fails because the hard drive in my computer doesn't always work for me, let alone controlling every other device on Earth. But whatever. Um, If you have seen the trailer, you know exactly what to expect here. Uh, Jessica Jessica Chastain uh, is probably the biggest name in this cast, and it looks like James Bond meets Jason Bourne meets Ocean's Eleven only with an all-female cast. Uh, and so that's what we have here. You have a lot of violence. You have a fair bit of sensuality and suggestive stuff. You know, uh, some people hop into bed to, together. It's PG 13. So you don't really see anything, uh, a fair bit of profanity, uh, drinking pretty much any content box you want to tick. This one gives us a PG 13, uh, dollop of content in that area. So I suppose the message here is that a group of women can be as good as spies as a group of men, uh, so there is an empowerment theme intended. Uh, but the whole thing just comes off as uh, we've seen this before, and whether it's men or women, we've seen it better than this movie.
0: <laughs> All right, so we're gonna. I'm gonna pass on that one. Um, yes. Let's talk about yeah. So let's talk about what we might watch on Disney Plus: Book of Boba Fett.
2: Yes, the book of Boba Fett. So, the book of Boba Fett is sort of picks up where the Mandalorian season two left off last year, and Boba Fett is one of the most beloved, most notorious, most mysterious characters in the Star Wars universe. He, in Empire Strikes Back, we got to rewind the clock all the way to 1980. He's the bounty hunter who uh, goes after Han Solo, helps Darth Vader capture him and freezes him in carbonite. So, he's got an awesome uniform, uh, You know, vintage Boba Fett toys, are you could retire on them. So, we go into Return of the Jedi, and he falls into a pit of a desert monster called a Sarlacc, which we're told digests its victims over the course of a thousand years. <laughs> so, that's the last we saw of Boba Fett, right? But, as often happens in these movies, dead is almost never dead, in uh, in the movies and in these sorts of movies, and this is the story about what happens after Boba Fett wakes up in the Starlax stomach and manages to blast his way out, uh, and it seems like it was sort of a transformative experience. And so he goes from being this utterly ruthless bounty hunter to a guy who takes control of the sand planet of Tatooine in Jabba the Hutt, who's the big worm like thing who died in a uh, Return of the Jedi. And he says, Jabba ruled with fear, I will rule with respect. And so it seems like there's been kind of a moral transformation, at least on some level, of his character. Uh, And his armor is still just as cool as it was 40 years ago. So uh, it's, it's candy and catnip and crack and any kind of addictive substance you wanna call out. For Star Wars fans, if you're not a huge Star Wars fan, it probably has less appeal.
0: So we have um, listeners texting in what they're watching and what they're recommending. So um, we've got a couple of people who are advocating American underdog or America. Underdog, yes. The Kurt Warner American. story. That's right. Yeah. Yep. People are advocating that um, one person who says, well, I have also seen Spider-Man three, but no, yes. um, no thumbs up or thumbs down on that from the listener. And then. Um, a person who says, I think people should just binge watch the first two seasons of The Chosen if they haven't done so already. I would totally yes. concur with that. And then Lori says there's a great PBS show called All Creatures Great and Small based on the books of James Harriet. And it's a refreshingly okay. wholesome so far. So there you go. That's some listener, listener input and feedback um, this morning. Um, Adam and I will be back in just a moment. We're going to talk about some movers and shakers uh, in 2021, according to Plugged In. And um, yeah, who would make your list of movers and shakers in 2021? Oh, I guess suppose a part of that would be based on how you define moving and shaking. All right. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. We'll be right back. I All right, continuing our conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. You can find all kinds of great reviews and other, um, well, stimulating, thoughtful content at PluggedIn.com. Adam, um, before we jump into our conversation about the 2021 movers and shakers, according to Plugged In, uh, Emily, or EJ, has, um, has texted in on our text line at 877-933-2484. Um, that she is recommending the tragedy of Macbeth. Now, before we recommend that, there is like a probably like a language and content alert. But yes, tell us about this Denzel Washington film, whatever you know. Well,
2: Paul and I were talking in the break, and it's Denzel Washington and it's Shakespeare, and I mean it's one of Shakespeare's, I think, most gravitas-filled plays, and so it's incredible. Uh, But it is rated R, uh, you know, mostly because of of, uh, some of the language that shows up there and some sexual content that that turns up. So you will definitely want to um, check out our full review. And actually, I'm refreshing myself on our full review, which we published back in December. And actually, the language isn't that bad, but there's some there's some sexual content there that you'll want to be aware of. And there's some violent content. So Definitely enough to lurch into R-rated territory. Um, I think that uh, it's probably navigable if you are of a mind to navigate it. Uh, but this is not a PG Shakespeare movie.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Um, all right. Um, one one more because I now have started reading people's input, and so now I can't stop. Um, uh, we have a listener who is saying, uh, Call the Midwife on PBS is also excellent. So there you go. Okay. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Don't anything about it, um, but we'll we'll now check it out. All right, talk with us about the 2021 movers and shakers according to Plug In.
2: You know, we've done this each year for a number of years now, I think about a decade. We look back at the year that was and and try to identify some of the people who, in the space of faith and entertainment and technology, were uh, big influencers. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is number one on our list, and this article, I should say, is written by Paul Acey, um, and mostly because Benedict Cumberbatch, again, had one of those years where it seems like... He was in every movie that came out. Um, but apart from sheer quantity, there's another name on this list you may not be instantly familiar with. And this is South Korean director Huang Don Hyuk. And forgive me if I am butchering the name. I, I'm not really fluent in Korean. But he was the director of Squid Game, which is the most successful game that has ever been on netflix it's incredibly violent it's about a group of people who are uh in deep debt and offered the chance at a million dollars if they can uh if they can survive these games but if they don't get the games right they're executed so uh it's intended as a, a commentary on uh on debt on gambling on uh, economics. There's a lot going on here, but that violence pushes it way out of bounds, I think, for the vast majority of viewers. Uh, Frances Haugen shows up. She was the whistleblower at Facebook that sent a bunch of information to the Wall Street Journal in September and basically said, you know, all these studies that show that screen time is bad for kids. Yeah, that's what Facebook's internal studies show, too, even though up to that point they had been saying something different uh Helena Hutchins is another name that uh we hadn't heard of until she was tragically killed when uh she was accidentally shot by Alec Baldwin on the set of Rust. Um and you can you can go on and on. Lin Miranda, excuse me, Lin Manuel Miranda uh had another busy year. You may know him from Hamilton, but uh he was involved with a movie called Vivo, with another movie called In the Heights. Yet another one called Tick, Tick, Boom uh, and Encanto, which we really loved. Um, And then uh, we have Elon Elon Musk, who uh, it seems like you can't go five minutes without hearing about his tweets uh, or him being on Saturday Night Live. And he's the richest guy in the world. And yet uh, he's got, I think, some decidedly not necessarily mainstream views on things he's kind of mm-hmm. a wild card uh and you never know what he might say which i think is one of the reasons why uh he's frequently so newsworthy it's like yeah uh, you're not even gonna believe what Elon musk said next
0: yeah so let's pause on him for just a moment because he yeah. did a, a fairly extensive interview with the babylon bee and yeah. first of all that was curious to me like right i think of yeah. the babylon bee as totally. like like right Satirical. Yeah. This was this was legit, like uh, Barbara Walters style yeah. interviewing. Yeah. So the yeah. Babylon Bee has talked with Elon Musk. You can watch it on YouTube. You can also find it on the Christian Post or there's an article at ChristianityToday.com. So, um, what if anything did Elon Musk address uh, in his interview with the Babylon Bee that a religious audience might find interesting?
2: Well, he came at it from the perspective, I think, of of someone who acknowledges the moral principles of Christianity. And so he says that he respects and agrees with the principles that Jesus advocated, treating other people as you wish to be treated. And then he went on to say things like turn the other cheek are very important as opposed to an eye for an eye. An eye for an eye leaves everyone blind. And so it, wasn't, it certainly wasn't an embrace of Jesus as The savior of the world. So when he talks about sort of liking Jesus, it wasn't, uh, you know, embracing the core of the gospel message. It was more a message of, you know, yeah, Jesus had some great things to say about moral principles, and I agree with those. And honestly, I think any thinking person who looks at the moral principles of really both the Old Testament and the New Testament, I mean, who's going to agree that? uh most of what we see in the 10 commandments is a bad thing, right? You shouldn't lie, shouldn't steal, you shouldn't commit adultery, that sort of thing. So, to me it felt like um a sort of 30,000 foot embrace of the core moral principles of the Judeo-Christian tradition.
0: Okay, and did you not find yourself wanting to um open your bible and read some passages of scripture to Elon Musk because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted yeah. to I wanted to read to him, oh, I don't know, Matthew 10, verse 34, think not that I have come to send peace on the earth. I have come not to bring or to send peace, but a sword, like, right, I will be the dividing line, right, I've come to divide them. Um, Or maybe just read him um, Jesus's response to the rich young ruler. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm just saying, like, to Elon Musk, um, how would Jesus's direct words in Matthew 19, verses 16 to 22, like, how would those fall? Um right. You know, Elon Musk is calling Jesus good, essentially, and then Jesus is saying to the rich young ruler, well, you know, why do you call, you know, why do you call right. me good? You know, what do I have he to do to be saved? Tough. Yeah. Yep. What do I have to do to be saved? And Jesus runs through the list, and he's like, well, all those I've kept, which my guess is Elon Musk would say that as well. Like, have you, right. you know, because it's like sort of those the basic things that Elon Musk wants to point out as if Jesus is a moralist. And then Jesus says, well, if you want to be perfect, go sell all that you have and give it to the poor. Um, And you're going to have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. I wonder how that would land on the ears or on the heart of the richest person in the world. There you go. That was my, yeah, Elon Musk, Babylon B. sure do (laughs) wish Barbara Walters had been there to ask those questions.
2: Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And and those same words challenge all of us, too, because we oh, may not no think question. of our, ourselves as the rich young ruler. But in comparison to virtually every time that's come before us and in comparison to the vast majority of the people on planet Earth, we fall into that category, too. So, uh, Amen. I have, Amen. I have four fingers pointing back at myself as I sit in a basement full of junk you know <laughs> so i'm <laughs> top on that list
0: <laughs> yeah no I, that's an excellent observation that's an excellent observation i just I, I, I find myself wondering you know when as christians we have public conversations um, are we afraid to kind of call call people's bluff when they say oh you know i mean you know i i i think christians are just fine as long as the golden rule is as far as their gospel goes Right. I, I can't – see, Adam, I just can't sit still and not say, okay, you do realize that's not that's not as far as the gospel goes.
2: Well, yeah, and, and we end up in the same place that people say all religions are basically the same and point in the same mm-hmm. direction and end up in the same place. And honestly, you only need to spend about five minutes in a comparative religion class of your choice to realize that Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, Islam, and Christianity – are not the same thing. They don't believe the same thing. The core tenets are different, and they don't end up in the same place. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that, you know, that's when we start talking about boiling it down to uh, a real basic universal moralism, the core tenets of the gospel, as you are saying, get ignored.
0: Amen. Amen. All right, which is why we need to be in the Word of God. So if you haven't been in the Word yet today, let me encourage you to do so. Get into the Word before you get out there into the world that God so loves. um, If you don't already have a Bible reading plan for 2022, there's still time to join us. You can join uh, us at myfaithradio.com. We are reading through the Bible in 2022. Genesis, Matthew, Psalms, and Proverbs, where we are right now. Um, We'd love to have you join us. Adam Holtz, as always, thanks for not only being with us, but keeping us up to speed and up to date on all that's going on in the culture, on the big and the small screens. We really appreciate it.
2: Thank you. And we'll talk next week.
0: Thanks. You can check out all the offerings at PluggedIn.com. We're going to have Bobby Ross from Religion Unplugged with us in just a moment. When you think back over 2021, what are the main... Stories or storylines, particularly when we're talking about the a religion or religious threadline, what what sort of pops to mind? I, I am thinking about stories of those who uh, turned away from the faith, like publicly, you know, rejected Christianity. Uh, the deconstructionists, maybe we're calling them the uh, the anti or uh, post evangelicals or whatever. Um, those come to mind. Afghanistan, the story, uh, the stories out of Afghanistan, that, that's a religious story for me as well. I'm wondering which stories come to mind for you. Maybe it's the fact that your church um, never went back to in-person worship. I mean, you know, maybe the changes in your local congregation is the religious story for you. Maybe um, it's the generation of people who are rejecting Jesus and or those in the next generation who are joyfully and enthusiastically embracing him. I mean, maybe 2021 was the year of the Lord's favor in someone's life that you know, like there's actually somebody in the kingdom that wasn't a year ago. Um, so the major storylines for us as Christians um, can be different. We're going to talk with Bobby Ross Jr. from religionunplugged.com about his observations about the best of religion in and religious reporting in 2021. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
1: Paul entered Scripture as Saul, the self professed Pharisee of all Pharisees. He was bloodthirsty and angry, determined to extinguish anything and everyone Christian. His attitude began to change on the road to Damascus. That's when Jesus appeared, knocked him off his high horse and left him sightless for three days. Paul could see only one direction, inward, and what he saw he did not like. So God showed him a better way. Paul got grace, or grace got Paul. Either way, he embraced the improbable offer that God would make us right with him through Jesus Christ. Paul's logic followed a simple outline. Our debt is enough to sink us. God loves us too much to leave us, so God has found a way to save us. This is Max Locato.
3: All
0: right, Bobby Ross Jr. is a journalist whom I have followed for a long period of time in various and sundry places and spaces. You can find him at christianchronicle.org. You can also find him at religionunplugged dot com that's a newsletter that i um that I take advantage of on a regular basis. He tweets at Bobby ross Bobby welcome to mornings with Carmen
3: oh well, thanks Carmen it's great to be here
0: it's great to have you so let's um let's look at some of the best of religion reporting um or or the best of religion journalism of twenty twenty one and then we're going to jump over and look at some of the best um, of Religion Unplugged as well. Um, just make some observations about the year that was.
3: Sure. Yeah, it was. And I guess every year is a really newsworthy year in term of, terms of religion, but it just seemed like this was a a crazy, busy year. And just in terms of all the stories that, that, that were re- religion related, you know, starting at the very beginning of the year with, with, with with the religious ties that, that on January sixth, with the things mm-hmm. that happened at the Capitol, to to the to the pandemic, there were a lot of religion stories related to that. Afghanistan, obviously, some a lot of religion related to the end of the U.S. troops there and and the, and, and the refugees who who've had to leave that country since then. I'm trying to think of other. You know, everything from the, the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa race massacre to the to the tornadoes in the southeast that killed a lot of people in Kentucky late in the year in December is just seems like there was just no slowing down at all with with religion news this past year.
0: So here's one of the things that I um, I want you to help us see, because I think you see this and other people may. Um, well, I know they miss it. There is a religious threadline, or there is a religious storyline in every story. Talk a little bit about that. Talk a little bit about how you see or find, discover, pull out the uh, the religious thread when maybe on the surface the story does not seem to be about religion.
3: Uh, sure. Yeah. And Terry Mattingly, who who's a national nationally syndicated columnist that and has a website called getreligion.org that you may be familiar with he he's he's he, he's pretty much every year likes to compare the the list of the top 10 stories in the world or the top 10 stories in the nation and then say how many of these stories had some element of religion related to them and and inevitably all of them or most of them have some kind of of religion connection, which is why a lot of times religion writers will say say something like religion is always in the room because, you know, it's pretty much the idea being if there's a big story, there's, you know, religion may not be the main thread, but in some ways religion is there. You know, I think in terms of of January 6th and a lot of the people who were there to support President Trump carried signs that had like religious connotations or, you know, things like Jesus 2020 and Jesus saves and things like that. If if you look at Afghanistan and that story, obviously the Islamic faith and and what some would call the radical Islamic faith of the Taliban, I guess all of us would call it the radical Mm -hmm. Islamic faith of the Taliban. But obviously faith is playing a role there as far as the motivation for the Taliban. But at the same time, faith is playing a role for the motivation of a lot of the people in cities like Nashville and Oklahoma City and Austin and maybe most major cities where Christians and other people of faith are coming together to help those refugees from Afghanistan. So so you see a religion angle there. Let me try to think. Yeah,
0: no, that's yeah. no, that's helpful. That's really helpful. Okay. So specifically when we turn our attention to religion unplugged or to um to what you've been doing at uh, at the Christian Chronicle, it would seem to me that storylines related to um prophecy, uh conversations among charismatic Christians, um conversations about how we're doing church um, in, in the midst of the pandemic and how people are talking about doing it post-pandemic, um, the fact that a lot of churches can no longer afford a full-time pastor, like the conversations related to the intersection of politics and religion, those seem to be some of the things that um, that rise to the surface. So um, So can you share a little bit more about that in just a moment, some of the things that you feel like um, for your audience, the group of the people the group of people to whom you are most often speaking and for whom you're covering stories, um, what they're most responding to, could we talk about that? Sure, great. We're talking with Bobby Rosh jr. You can find what we're going to talk about next at religionunplugged dot com. You can also find him at christianchronicle dot r g. We'll be right back. We're continuing our conversation with Bobby Ross Jr. from the Christian Chronicle and Religion Unplugged. You can follow him on Twitter at Bobby Ross. Bobby, let's talk about what got clicks in 2021. What What is holding the attention of people or what held the attention of people, what got the attention of people? And I'm thinking um, here in terms of the leadoff of this conversation about a story that many of our listeners uh, may be completely unaware of. And that is a conversation that took place among charismatics this past year.
3: Yeah, Julia Dune, and I'm and I always never forget how to say her last name. It's D U I N. But she had a story last year for Religion Unplugged about basically about charismatics at war with with each other over failed prophecies of a Trump victory. And I guess these were charismatic Christians who had basically said. God's told me Trump's going to win so it's in the bag and then when that didn't happen there was a lot of having to go back and say we're well, how did we get this wrong and then you know even after the the election was over that November there were some that were still predicting that somehow God was going to restore Trump to power even before Biden took office and so so Julia Julia who 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 has written books about charismatics and pentecostal christianity just delved into that and talked to people and, and i think the last time i looked it was it was approaching a hundred thousand page views at religion dot com which is you know a, a startup website that's still building its audience so to have to have a story get that many hits at religion unplugged was just you know i think that's probably twice as many or more hits as they've ever gotten on any story so obviously there's a lot of there, number one, there's a lot of interest in that subject. And number two, it's it's an undercovered subject because Pentecostals, charismatics tend to be, they, it's it's a growing part of, of the Christian population in the U.S., but it's also a less understood part of it and also mm-hmm. probably less covered than, you know, Southern Baptists are larger probably than the Assemblies of God and and some of the other Pentecostal denominations, they just seem to get less less media coverage. So I think it was just a combination of factors that that story just got a lot of, of attention. And actually, just this week, Julia has written kind of a follow-up to that that was published at Newsweek, where she's now writing that probably, you know, if people were to Google, they could find that update pretty easily.
0: Um there's another person that I became aware of um through um through Religion Unplugged and that is and forgive me if I mispronounce his name Hamil Harris H A M I L Hamil Hamil, Hamil, Hamil uh-huh. Harris um uh-huh. who um who I now follow on on Twitter started out as a Washington um post reporter um is a journalist is also a pastor and is African American and offers this reporter's notebook from January 6th. And let me just tell you, that is some fascinating first person coverage of what happened um during the Capitol riot.
3: Yeah, it really is. And Emil himself, you should interview him sometime. He he's an amazing, an amazing person. Like you said, spent all those years at the Post and he he writes for Religion Unplugged. He actually writes some for the Christian Chronicle as well because he's a Church of Christ minister and never fails to pray for me at the end of our conversation, which is a little bit unique for conversations between journalists. But yeah, he's great. And yeah, he was he was like right there at the Capitol, right in the middle of all of that when it happened. Uh, You know, African-American journalist and just was right in the middle of the action. And I'm rambling now. I think I forgot your question.
0: No, that's okay. I was just making the observation that I became aware of him, um, you know, through uh, through his being, um, you know, platformed at Religion Unplugged. And I just I think I just wanted to say I just appreciated becoming aware of him and knowing, um, you know, knowing that he's out there doing good work and that he's a brother in Christ and um, and a journalist. And that intersection is always of uh, of interest to me. Talk with us a little bit about something you've just written recently um, uh, about churches that have arrived at that point where they recognize we can no longer afford a full-time pastor um and have embraced um bivocational ministry as the way forward you just make some observations for us about what's happening out there because i think that there are lots of folks listening whose churches are probably in a position to be moving in that direction even now
3: yeah it's really interesting is 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 you know in churches of christ which is my religious background we have about Twelve thousand congregations in the United States, and three quarters of those have a hundred or fewer members. And according to, to some research that's out there, and I'm forgetting the specific source that I included in the story, you need about 130 people in attendance on average to be able to for a single congregation to be able to support a minister. So just with those numbers, it 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 tells you pretty quickly that a lot of places are not going to be able to afford a minister and a lot of congregations do seem to be losing membership just with some of the trends we're seeing in the US and some of that ex- exas- what's the word I don't know it's getting worse with the pandemic yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exacerb- it's getting worse. Yeah, getting worse it's getting with worse the pandemics so 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 the so with vocational ministry the idea is hey i can preach on sunday i can I can have this role with the church, but I can also have a full-time job outside of of the church. And, you know, a lot of times ministers are doing things that kind of have a real direct tie, you know, the, you know, being a funeral home director or being a teacher or, or doing things that or being a professor where you say, yeah, I can see those jobs kind of tie in real well to being a minister and the, the Inter- the most interesting part of that story you mentioned to me was the the the, the bivocational minister I focused on. He, he's a preacher on Sunday, and then the rest of the week he's a flight attendant for Frontier Airlines. So he kind of has a congregation at a traditional church building on Sunday, and then he kind of sees his congregations of 180 to 220 in the air Is kind of, you know, I'm a flight attendant, but I can still kind of try to reflect Christ and try to help make people's lives a little better on a plane because obviously flying with masks and flying with some of the some of the stress that we have at this point in our you know with the pandemic he's kind of able to help with that.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that he describes himself as um, sometimes bivocational and sometimes tri-vocational because he still mows yeah. a few uh, a few yards. Yeah. Um, for yeah. his son Josiah, with whom he began a, a a lawn care business, I just I appreciate that. I appreciate the way um, that uh, that this talks about part time being plenty when um, when a congregation really understands that all of the work is was never intended to be done by the pastor. That the pastor has a particular calling, and that every member of the church has a particular calling and. Um, the body is built up as each one does its part in the the essential nature of um of all the saints uh all hands on deck doing uh, doing the work of ministry i just I thought it was a really um, timely and excellent and hopeful uh piece, so I just wanted to say thank you for that as well., oh, I appreciate you saying that well, Bobby, thank you so much um for joining us today and what you do um every day at Religion Unplugged as well as at the Christian Chronicle. Uh, You guys can follow Bobby on Twitter at Bobby Ross. What are you reading today? What's the religious storyline or the thread you might pull in the conversations in which you're engaged? Um, I'm going to ask you that in just a moment. So every single person that you and I are going to encounter today in uh, face-to-face or like this... Um, which is very intimate, and yet I can't see you. I mean, I can see you, but I can't see you. Yeah, I can see you, but not in a creepy way. Like, I'm right there with you. You're right here with me. Um, The way that we encounter each other over the phone, over the text, over social media, um, online, in person, in the drive-thru, standing in line somewhere, like, all of that is a part of our deployment as ambassadors of the king and the kingdom in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. And so when people are wondering and searching about for where they fit or whether or not they matter, whether or not they're accounted for, whether or not God sees them, how we relate and engage with one another and then in public um, with others, that is our testimony. That is our witness. And so when Jesus says, you will be my witnesses, he means like, you are literally going to be the way that people today see Jesus. And so what are people coming to learn today about Jesus by the time they're spending with you and me? Even by the casual encounters that we have, um, whether or not we, um, well, how we respond to their road rage, how we respond to their rudeness, how we respond to um, to the reality of sin and brokenness in a fallen world. Like, right? How did Jesus respond to all of those things? And how are we responding? And do they see Jesus through the way we love them and hold open our arms to them? All right. That's who Christ is. Let us so be as well. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio.